Web3 domains serve a different purpose. They are your digital identity. They're your digital wallet. They are your preferences encoded into your identity. There's an unimaginable, truly unimaginable number of utilities for, let's say, curation, specialization, and you know these really personal utilities for people. They go way beyond just, oh, this is where I'm going to receive money. Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains and the go-to place for everybody to learn about the latest innovations in Web3, NFTs, and the decentralized web. Join us each week to hear from experts, entrepreneurs, and the early stage investors that are building the future on the blockchain. Not only will this podcast help you understand why these emerging technologies are so important, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in the metaverse. GMGM, GM, welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. My name is Josh Gordon. I'm your host, and today I'm joined by an NFT GOAT, the guru, the purchaser of all domains, Andrew Rosener, CEO of MediaOptions.com and co-founder of Ape in Productions. Andrew, how you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to have this conversation because normally I don't talk to people who are so really in tune with the domain market from traditional domains to NFT domains. So I really look at you as someone who has the take on what we're seeing right now and just the shift we're seeing in to NFT domains and also being able to explain like the importance of a lot of this stuff from your experience and in, in just traditional like .com domains. So to start off with, can you tell everyone how you got into traditional domain investing and how that eventually led you to crypto and the NFT domain side of things? Yeah, so I was a fishmonger. I was trading seafood commodities internationally. I had graduated from college where I, I studied management information systems. And you know this was at the sort of emergence of the consumer internet. And so I was learning about websites in the World Wide Web and 19, you know, 97 or so, you know, I started buying some domain names, maybe 96, 97. I started to register some domain names. Now I'm a quite hyperactive person. And so I was buying them because I just had a lot of ideas. And I have this you know, moment that, that really has, has been ingrained in my mind where my professor was teaching us how to do very basic HTML and put up a website. And he was explaining that we could put up this website and somebody on the other side of the earth can see the content that we published. That was my aha moment. That was when I thought, wow, this is incredible. What an incredible technology. And the simplicity of that, that I can take something, forget about interactive, forget about social media, forget about all of the things that we utilize the internet for today. Just the idea of publishing something, an idea, a story, anything. It was pretty limited at that time what you could publish, but publishing that and that somebody on the other side of the earth could read it without me sending it to them, without me giving them permission, without them buying it for me, without just, I can put it out there and somebody on the other side of the earth can find it. That blew my mind. And so I started registering domains every time I had an idea about something that I might want to do on this new internet thing. Fast forward, dot-com bubble burst. Everybody thinks, oh, the internet, that was just a fad. Interesting how much that resembles, you know, the way that people feel after each of these crypto cycles. But I had a domain sale. That's a whole nother story that I'll, I'll say for a different day. It's a good story, but I sold this domain. You know, it was a reasonable sale. I didn't have any idea what this thing should be worth, but for me, it felt like a good sale at the time. As I was reaping the rewards of that sale, I was thinking to myself, wow, if this guy in this nascent, you know, it was a type of food, but if this guy in this nascent little esoteric business wants this domain name this bad or set of domains, everybody around the world, every business around the world is going to either want or need their domain name and or more than one domain name. And so at that point, I backed up the truck and just started buying up domains quickly realized that was very cash flow intensive and not sustainable for me. And so I launched Media Options, uh, our domain name brokerage firm, which is today and has been for the last eight or so years, nine years, the largest and number one domain brokerage firm in the world. We are responsible for a lot of the largest and most important domain sales that have ever happened. 
such as x.com to Elon Musk and prime.com to Amazon and zoom.com to Zoom. Yeah, those are crazy sales. I wanted to even ask you if the x.com to Elon was a, a crazy story or if that was maybe just more of a traditional, you know, business to business deal going down. No, no, no. That one actually is an insane story. I can't unfortunately share a lot of it, you know, for obvious reasons, but that is no, that was anything but a standard or traditional deal. It was a series of coincidences. It actually led to a you know long-term relationship that you know we've done quite a bit of business since. So with a variety of his companies. Yeah, and then how do you get into the crypto side of things after you know the traditional domain selling? Yeah, so the reason I emphasize that really early aha moment was was precisely this. So it was understanding why this new internet thing was going to be such an important paradigm shift with just the simplicity of being able to publish an idea and anybody around the world having access to it. That is a paradigm shift in the same way as the printing press was, right? The dissemination, a new channel of distribution of information, which is highly scalable and virtually permissionless, at least in the early stages, it was more permissionless than it is today, it was precisely the reason why in 2011, when one of my clients who was a Bitcoin core developer told me about Bitcoin and really pushed me to, to buy some Bitcoin, I understood that this was a similar paradigm shift for money. The emergence of the internet was a paradigm shift for information. And this was going to be a paradigm shift in exactly the same way. It was this base layer protocol that was going to change money. And so I did the same thing. I bought a bunch of Bitcoin, right? And then I didn't think much of it, to be totally transparent. I didn't dive down the proverbial rabbit hole. I didn't become a Bitcoin maxi. I didn't, I didn't really care. I just thought, wow, that's really cool. I'm going to take a punt on it and see what happens. So I bought a bunch and then went about my life. And it wasn't until 2016 when Bitcoin hit like $700 that I actually realized, oh, wow, I need to actually do more homework on this and really deeply understand it. And I did. And then I actually you know, ended up investing into a ton of ICOs and shit coins. And I lost a lot of money. <laughs> then 2000. 21 May, you know, I, I've been watching this NFT thing evolve because I'm an investor in, in several companies, but I really was not that bullish on it. And to the extent that I actually owned NFT.com and in January 2021, I sold NFT.com for $2 million, which at the time I thought was a great price because I thought, uh, you know, honestly, I've been in this game for three years now. I've watched this NFT space basically do nothing. You know, one of my investments was this company called Cryptograph, amazing company, some of the best technology I've seen in the NFT space, I would say. You know, we were the guys that literally launched celebrity NFTs. We were the first ones to ever do it. We introduced Paris Hilton to NFTs. The first NFT that Paris Hilton ever did was on Cryptograph, right? I think it sold for like 40 grand, right? Today, that would have been 4 million, okay? Even in a bear market. And then we introduced Ashton Kutcher right, to NFTs. We did his first NFT, sold for like 12 grand or something. And some of these numbers might be slightly off, but not by orders of magnitude. And so, you know, Seth Green, Jason Momoa, Vitalik Buterin, the only NFT he's ever done was on Cryptograph, right? And so here I am, I'm an investor in this platform. We're getting the biggest names in the world to do NFTs through us. And I'm seeing it amount to nothing, right? $40,000 sale was like the high, the, you know, the, the high watermark, right? And so it was like, all right, I don't know. So January, 2021, I sell NFT.com for $2 million. I think I've done great. A couple of weeks later, I get a $25 million offer. Anyways, yeah, that was a punch in the gut. You know, that was basically sort of my journey from sitting in a classroom, learning about the internet, realizing this was going to be a major paradigm shift all the way through today. Wow, that's a heck of a journey right there. I appreciate you walking us through that and and really detailing how the the domains led to some of the crypto side of things. It sounds like, you know, you have you have an openness to alternative assets and investments and really like without that maybe you wouldn't have been so early to the game. I would emphasize to say that I have a preference for alternative assets, not an openness. I much prefer and I have let's say 80% of my net worth in alternative investments or what people would consider alternative investments. So yes, I like to explore risk, calculated risk. 
for sure. And there's definitely a lot of risk in what's going on. And I think what captures me, though, is like the the innovation, the newness to it. There's there's potential and that draws me in a lot. Something I heard you say was about your aha moment about traditional domains was that it had this permissionless access for people to, you know, read anything that you put out on the internet. And you're really focused on businesses. And, you know, some of the questions I wanted to dive into now are about, you know, NFT domains. And I'm curious, for NFT domains, do you think they just apply to businesses too? Or is what makes the potential for them so great? The fact that I feel like now NFT domains apply to people versus just businesses. And that expands the market to essentially the whole world. Yeah. So first off, I 100% agree with that sentiment. And I will explain why. I want to unpack that a little bit, though, and zoom out and back up just a little bit. So, you know, and I get attacked all the time, right? Because I, I'm, I'm very vocal. And on Twitter, I, I, I post things. And a lot of the, let's say, Web3 domain community, who I, I love all of you, <laughs> <laughs> but they like to attack me because, you know, they look at me and they go, they're like, okay, boomer, even though I'm not a boomer, you know, Gen X, thank you. They attack me and be like, yeah, okay, boomer, you know, you've got all your dot coms and you just don't want to see them get, you know, upended. And it's like, okay, guys, pump the brakes, slow down, you know, let me change the whole perspective of the way that people think about this. And this isn't, in my opinion, this isn't an opinion. This is, this is the way that it is. But I don't think that people recognize it. Most people don't, I don't think, recognize it. I think that most people think about Web3 and think about Web3 domains and they think about NFTs as replacing the old internet. And they think about .com as, as for their grandparents, right? It's like, oh, that was for my parents, my grandparents. .com is the legacy. What I want people to understand is that the pipes, okay, the underlying plumbing of the internet is not changing. It's not changing because of Web3. It's not changing for whatever comes after Web3. It's not changing probably in my lifetime or yours. If I had to take a guess, I don't like to look out that far. I have a hard time looking out more than 10 years. And even 10 years in today's very uh, fluid world is very difficult. But I am as certain as one could be in a very uncertain world that over the next 20 years, the internet isn't going to change. The plumbing isn't going to change. It's not going anywhere. And so the way that we receive our bandwidth might change, the way we receive, the way we interact with the internet might change, but the plumbing of that internet isn't going to change. And that plumbing starts with domain names, at least on the user level, right? So those domain names are not going to change. .com is king. It will always be king. It's not going to change ever. Okay. And so that is first and foremost. Now, what people need to understand is that web three domains come on top in the same way that we started with, let's say DARPA, right? Which was just this network of computers that was then expanded using Tim Berners-Lee's protocols that he's created to become the World Wide web in 1985, right? And then we had Web 1, which roughly started in 1990s, okay? And Web 1 was read only, right? And then it came Web 2, which was read and write. And we're still in the evolution of Web 2, right? With social media and, you know, the various types of engagement and interaction that you can do. And, you know, this sort of collective user contribution to websites and apps and whatnot. And so... We're still in the evolution of Web 2, right? And so Web 3 is just another step forward. It's solving another problem or actually a series of problems. And that problem was the Web 2 business model leads to a conflict of incentives that changes human behavior in very negative ways because of ad-driven you know, business decision making. And Web 3 solves for that. Web 3 is the user becoming the customer again, as opposed to the product, right? If we think about most Web2 business models, the user is the product and the customer is the companies, the businesses that want to advertise. And so the product is being sold to the customer. 
we, the users, are being sold to the customer, the businesses, and the platforms, and the advertisers, okay? So what Web3 does is take back control of your identity and your data and put you in the driver's seat because, again, the general business principle is the customer is the king, right? The customer is always right. And so we want to be in the driver's seat. We don't want to be the product. We want to be the, the user should be the customer. And so that way, the job of the business is to provide things that we want and need, not things that keep us engaged, keep us clicking, which drives down the quality of content and the quality of the product and drives up the amount of time spent and the engagement at the cost of the user, okay? So that's what Web3 is solving for in addition to removing a lot of friction, removing accounts so we don't need usernames and passwords, pseudo-anonymity, and then most importantly, digitally native money, right? So that is what Web3 is. You know, the way I like to say this is it's Web2 plus Web3, not Web3 replacing Web2. It's additive, not replacement. I wanted to preface with that because I think it's a really important distinction that I think a lot of people miss, right? People are intimidated, and I understand that. There's, of course, there's fear. You're, you're investing in something that's unknown. There's no liquidity. And so when people are when people have anxiety about the liquidity, about the value, they want to be that early pioneer. They want to know that they're right. Well, guess what? There's no certainty in this world. Everything I'm telling you can be completely wrong. And I've been doing this for 25 years. So you will never be in a position where you feel 100% comfortable. I'm still wake up to cold sweat sometimes thinking, oh my God, I've got tens of millions of dollars tied up in these domain names. And is there something going to replace them tomorrow, right? That feeling never goes away. You just have to get comfortable with it. So once you figure out that that anxiety is just natural, it's part of being an investor in a emerging technology, then you have to get a more rational perspective and don't be concerned that you need to replace.com. You don't need to replace.com. That's not the point. You need to add value and become interoperable with the existing Web2 infrastructure and internet. Okay? And that's the point. It's additive. It's just a new layer. It's that value and identity layer being added on to the existing internet. It is not a new internet. So 1 million percent. All of that said, these dot coms, right? These web two legacy domain names. Obviously, there's lots of fringe cases, but for the most part, it serves businesses, as you alluded to, and it serves people that want to have a blog. Okay. Uh, of course, like I said, there's other fringe cases. I'm making big stroke generalities here. But for the most part, the vast majority of domain registrations are either speculative or businesses or people that have an idea they want to express on the line through a blog. Okay. And more and more people are doing that on social media, not through a blog. So the utility of the Web3 domains are entirely different. I personally don't believe that you're ever going to have a world in which browsers are resolving these, let's say the browsers that actually represent, let's say the 80% of the world that you know is using the internet are never going to resolve these things for a variety of reasons that I don't think it's appropriate to get into today. Yeah, I was going to ask about if you ever thought Chrome was going to resolve. Yeah, forget about Web3 domains replacing Web2 domains. You're going in the wrong direction. You're just, you're thinking about it wrong, right? It's Web3 domains serve a different purpose. They are your digital identity. They're your digital wallet. They are your preferences encoded into your identity. There's an unimaginable, truly unimaginable number of utilities for, let's say, curation, specialization, and, you know, these really personal utilities for people. They go way beyond just, oh, this is where I'm going to receive money. Don't get me wrong. Your wallet is a pretty big deal, right? That's, that's pretty important. And that is actually where the business utility is. I think about from a business perspective, I think that like the utility of these Web3 domains is like similar to the emergence of social media. It was like, okay, your company is called, I don't know, Red Apple. Well, now there's Twitter and Instagram. Well, you better go get, you know, Instagram slash Red Apple and you better go get Twitter slash Red Apple. And the reason for that is because you want your brand to be consistent. 
And so your brand is ultimately going to want to engage with Web3. And as you do that and you're receiving payments and you're publishing identity and wallet information for a variety of different reasons, you want that branding to be consistent. And so you want to own the Red Apple wallet, whether it's redapple.wallet or redapple.eth or redapple.whatever, you want to have that consistent branding, okay? Let me jump in here for a quick sec, just because we're covering a lot of stuff and I want to make sure I'm asking some questions because I think the listeners are going to have questions as you're breaking things down. So I do want to jump into branding in, in a quick sec and I want to jump in to utility too. But before that, you kind of mentioned ownership here. You talked about how the customers are going to be put in the driver's seat with NFT domains. And I think part of that is because now you, you own your digital identity and you own your data and you bring that data with you to the applications you use versus using applications and getting your data taken from you in exchange for the free service. And so going back to this ownership thought, do you think like the market really realizes the difference in ownership and the power in, in that self-custody of domains versus Web2 right now? Or is that something people are still largely like thinking about? Because when I think about Web2, you know, your domain sits in just, I mean, you know way more about it than me, but like your domain sits in your GoDaddy account. And yeah, you can transfer it, you can sell it. But I wouldn't call that true ownership like we can see in the NFT and crypto world. And then just going forward, you know, people are going to want to own those identities on the internet versus you also mentioned using accounts, like you think accounts are going to go away, I heard you say. So when you have an account on Facebook or an account on Twitter, or really Comcast, like whatever it may be, like you have all these separate accounts, and you don't own those, the the company owns that versus you having your identity that you go in and, and log in with. So yeah, do you think people are really realizing that fundamental shift in ownership right now? Okay, 100% no. Obviously, there's, you know, there's some fringe amount of people who geek out on this stuff like me, and they understand it, and they're excited about that, including me. But traditional domain names, you don't actually own it, just in the exact same way. I mean, precisely exactly the same way as you don't own your home. I own my home, technically, right? I don't, I don't have a mortgage, but I still don't actually own my home. If I don't pay my property taxes after two years, the state is going to take my home, and they're going to auction it off to the highest bidder. And to recover the taxes that are owed and to put the property in the hands of a, let's say, better owner from their perspective, it's one that will continue to pay the property taxes. And domain names are the same. You own it. I can pay a million dollars and buy a domain name. But actually what I own is the rights to a domain name. And those rights are contingent on me paying renewal fees to ICANN and my service providers, say GoDaddy. So that is an entire episode in and of itself to, to understand the inner workings of that. You know, is this a service or is this property, right? Do you own a service contract or, or do you own property, right? I would say that what you own in Web2 with a Web2 domain name, a .com, for example, is you own a service contract and in Web3, you own property, okay? So there is a very important distinction between these two. Imagine for a second, what happens all the time with cryptocurrency, which is people lose their wallets and then that thing is gone, okay? Imagine that I control, I don't know, 1,000, 5,000, 10,000, 100,000. I have a friend that owns 550,000.com domain names, right? So imagine for a second that you own 500,000 Web3 domain names and they're all really good ones like his domains. Well. Imagine that that wallet gets lost. In the legacy world, the maximum that happens is that for 10 years, those domains are out of the pool. But as they expire, they go back into the pool and they become available for use. And there are companies that can now brand on them. Don't underestimate how important that is. Like for the same reason, I tell companies all the time how important it is to get your .com. There are companies that don't own that .com yet and they are going through their growth phase and they're going to get to that point where they need it. And now it's in a dead man's wallet. And now what? There are reasons, I think, that introducing some form of service contract into Web3 might be critical. But as I said, I also see the other side of that of absolute ownership is 
fundamentally better for many things, but maybe not for everything. So I don't know. I'm not sure where I stand today on that point. I think it's I think it's tricky because there's very strong arguments on both sides. For sure. I think that we'll eventually see like, you know, with unstoppable domains, you do own it forever. And I do think we'll be getting to a point where we have some kind of backup recovery options available to people who want to put those in place, not maybe not necessarily for for every domain. I do think that's a point we're going to get to in terms of like the, the features we're building around. But your response there around brands wanting to build on, you know, on their IP. And I want to talk about brand protection for a second, because I think that's important to touch on here. Why is it important? for a brand to get their like exact matching domain that they want versus a slight derivative or alternative to it. I'm kind of asking because at Unstoppable, we do protect brand names from from purchasing by the general public, whereas uh, competitors like ENS, you can go out and if you're early to it, you can snipe any name you want. You know, there's there's no blocking there. And so I'm curious, because you have that experience in, in Web2, why is trademark squatting prevention and brand protection important to implement for NFT domains? You know, there's the good side and the bad side. The good side of, you know, why should you want to, let's say, extend your brand into Web3 using these Web3 domains? And the reasons for that are the same reasons why you want to own your Twitter account, exact match of your brand, why you want to own your Instagram, exact match of your brand, why you want to own, you know, the, your exact brandmatch.com domain. The reasons are the same. It's brand consistency. It's avoiding consumer confusion, right? Everybody in business understands that having a trademark is critical, right? It's to protect your brand. And the reason to protect your brand is, and this is in the language of the law, to avoid consumer confusion. If you are being consistent with every all of these technologies up today, from social media handles to domain names to trademarks to what have you, copyright, whatever applies to your business. Well, then it only makes sense that you extend that to this new value layer of the internet for, let's say, identity, but in a, in a, in a different aspect, okay, more of an interactive identity, wallet, right, payments, all this stuff. All of that is equally, or in some cases, even more important to be consistent with your brand than in some of these other applications that came before it, okay? If your wallet isn't consistent, I would argue it is far more important and critical, mission critical, to have a consistent wallet address that is consistent with your brand, easily identifiable by consumers, than it is to have a consistent Instagram handle. Because on Instagram, they're going to very quickly identify whether this is the real you or not. And the worst case is if they make a mistake, they've followed or liked the wrong account. And, you know, so be it. You can't fix stupid. You're dealing with liking pictures versus sending money, you know? Yeah. You can't reverse that, right? And so it's critically important. Now, on the flip side of this, I think that it is absolutely essential and it is very forward thinking of Unstoppable Domains to have protected those, those big brands in particular. And I think that it behooves the community to continue to self-police and enforce trademark protection where it's clear because there are things which are not clear, right? Where they don't necessarily have exclusive rights over a particular word because how are you going to get end user adoption if they can't get the domain names they need in Web3? It's a catch-22, right? If you want the space to grow, you need them to come in and adopt it. And if they don't come in and adopt it, then it won't grow to the extent that everybody hopes, right? Yeah. The value of a .com is that you can trust that the company behind it is the actual company because we know that we have laws and we have mitigation mechanisms yeah mitigation mechanisms that those companies can go after the domains that they have the trademarks over and so when you have no control over that that leads to like no operation from traditional businesses in this new space so i think that if we want traditional businesses to migrate over to crypto and the web3 world we you know we believe in we need some form of control so that we can get traditional business operation going down you brought up a very good point, which I think is worthy of, of a little bit of discussion. Another mistake that I think people make is thinking, oh, this is Web3. 
all your legacy old rules don't apply. And that's not true. But what's interesting and intellectually fascinating to contemplate how this progresses is Web3 kind of splits it into two things, right? In Web2, if you are squatting on my trademark domain name, then I file what's called a UDRP, a Universal Domain Resolution Protocol. If it's decided in my favor, you know, for a relatively small fee, you know, it cost me about $2,500 to file it, a couple thousand dollars in legal fees. So let's say for five, seven grand, you know, I can file this UDRP and get that domain back from you without you having to, whether you cooperate or not, I can win the legal proceeding and recover the domain name. And that judgment goes to VeriSign, who sits in Virginia and controls the route and can VeriSign will enforce that judgment and then automatically transfer that domain name to me. In Web3, the same laws continue to apply. It's worthy of repeating. Like the Lehman Act, the Cyber Squatting Act that is encapsulated in law, and there are other variations of this around the world in every jurisdiction, these laws which designate $100,000 per domain minimum penalty, $100,000 penalty per domain where you are infringing on somebody's trademark, those laws apply to Web3 domain names. The only difference is that when that judgment is found in the favor of the trademark holder, they can enforce the judgment upon you, depending on your jurisdiction, and you will be held responsible legally for that $100,000 per domain name fine or more, depending on the egregious of your actions. The only part they cannot do is enforce the transfer of the domain name without your cooperation, even if it is coerced through, you know, let's say broad stroke violence, right? Arrest, seizure, et cetera, right? Jailing. So they can coerce your cooperation, but if you are stubborn and up for the challenge, you can sit back just like you don't have to give somebody your Bitcoin or Ethereum, you know, wallet key and say, you know, sorry, lost it in a voting accident. And there's nothing that anybody can do except put a gun to your head, torture you, put you in jail and hope that you eventually cooperate. But there's no way to enforce the transfer. But that does not change the fact that you are still legally responsible for the fines, for the, you know, whatever other judgment is set upon you. I think it's almost a good thing that Unstoppable is putting some of these brand protections in place to protect consumers from even entering situations where they might face litigation. Because we're going to see a lot of policy rolling out over the next couple of years. And I have no idea, but we could see you know, these types of rules rolling over to NFT domains. And you don't want a bunch of... They already do. They already do. We don't even need new rules. They already apply. With NFT domains. Yeah. I don't care if you're on ENS, if you're on Unstoppable, Handshake. It doesn't matter. All of it is still applicable under existing law. Existing body of law 100% applies. There are obviously going to be fringe cases where, where there are unique nuances, but the existing body of law already applies. You fall under this law. And so it's just a difference in the execution of the judgments that is different. But outside of that, same thing. Now, if I call, you know, the ENS folks and say, you know, I really got a problem. This guy registered my name. There's, sorry, nothing we can do about it. But if, you know, Disney goes the distance in court and gets a judgment and then says, we are going to enforce this. And they go and they now sue ENS in order to enforce that judgment. I think it's going to be really interesting to find out what happens. Sure. Yeah, I don't think ENS, just to make one statement on what we talked about, they can't roll back the blockchain. If for I don't think Ethereum would ever roll back something or or fork something just for ENS. But what I do see happening is like marketplaces like OpenSea blocking sales of certain names if rulings have been made, potentially even wallets blocking addresses that are associated with certain domains if they're owned illegally. So like maybe more more so implementation on that. 
but we'll find out soon. The analogy is is similar to the legacy internet, right? It's like if if they can't go after or they can't identify who the owner of some website that's got, you know, illegal or controversial content, you know, it doesn't get enforced at the owner level, it gets enforced at the browser level and at the hosting level and at the, you know, CDN level. You know, you're probably right, but I think there are going to be extreme cases where your thesis gets tested. I hear what you're saying, but the reality is that we actually have seen this before and they did in fact roll back the blockchain and resolve that. So, and that was without, you know, a court putting a gun to their head. So, that was just communities reaching a consensus that yes, this is what should be done. Sure. I have a bunch more questions from the community that I'd love to ask you. And we may need to to rapid fire some of these. All right, let's go. But I threw it out to Twitter. I asked people, you know, a lot of domain whales have questions for you. So the first one I want to throw out to you is for whales looking to invest, what advice do you have for domains to invest in? Do you have thoughts on triple digits when it comes to numbers as having value? We've seen a run on those in ENS. We, we've we started to see some of that happen on Unstoppable, but not necessarily from a price perspective, but just from some of the digits being bought up, I believe all dot. NFT triple digits are are gone now. First and foremost, as I just mentioned, extend your timeline, right? When I buy a domain name, even a .com, even a super premium .com domain name, my investment time horizon is 10 years. And in some cases, longer. But my expectation is 10 years. So I buy that domain and I expect, even in a, let's say, relatively mature market, such as .com, I expect and anticipate a 10-year hold time. And keep in mind, that is with hundreds of billions of dollars every single year flowing into from the venture capital market into startups. And all these startups are utilizing these domain names to launch. Every new product, every new service, all of it requires a domain name from the legacy internet. And even in that environment, I have a 10-year time horizon. So first and foremost, when you're making investment decisions, you need a long time horizon, 10 plus years. I just said that, you know, I think it's 15 to 20 years is the mainstream adoption cycle. And we're probably five years into that. So it makes absolute perfect sense that you should be looking at a 10, 15, 20 year time horizon with these investments. You, you don't need to buy it and flip it tomorrow. In terms of numeric domains, you know, we've seen this movie before in, in, in .com, right? We, we, we saw the run up in 2014, 15, 16 of numeric .com domain names. First it was the two numbers went to a million dollars. Then the three numbers, you know, went to several hundred thousand dollars. And then it was four numbers. They went to tens of thousands of dollars. And then it was five numbers, went to single figure, thousands of dollars. And even six numbers became worth, you know, as long as it didn't have a seven or a zero or a four, you know, they were worth hundreds of dollars. In 2016, 17, that whole thing blew up and they all lost 60% plus of the value that it had run up to. Now, two-number.com is still incredibly scarce and it's still super valuable. A three-number.com is still super scarce and it's still incredibly valuable. And a four-number.com is relatively scarce. Right? You know, there's only 1,000 of them or I guess 10,000 of them. You know, valuable, but at a fraction of what it was, okay? It's interesting with these Web3 domains. In the legacy route, that phenomena happened on .com. And almost nothing, to a very limited extent, .net, .org, but almost nothing. And so we see that happening on, on the ENS domains. And I don't see any reason why you can't extrapolate that to other domain extensions. But obviously, the more domain extensions there are, the more dilutive the price appreciation is going to be. When you think about what we talked about earlier, what the future utility of these things is, you want to have something memorable. If I'm going to tell you, hey, Josh, you know, send me 50 bucks for dinner last night, uh, send it over to, e even if I said send it to andrewrosner.x or .wallet, like you might not know how to spell my last name, you might mistype it, it's a little bit longer. It's better than sending you the wallet address, but it's 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 not perfect. Sending it to drew.wallet is better. And in the same way, in a multicultural, multi-language world, sending it to 456.wallet 
is really easy. Nobody is going to forget that, right? Nobody's going to forget 888.wallet or 888.x or 888.eth, right? These are highly memorable naming conventions that have been proven out in various aspects, in language and in domain names and in social media handles and, 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 and all, the, all the various places we use naming conventions. And so, yeah, I think that they're great. Now, what is the value? I don't know. My guess is that the values that we're seeing some of these .eth domains that trade at is likely highly speculative and probably a bubble. But I could be wrong. You know, like I said, there's only 10,000 for number in any one domain extension. And so that's pretty limited. And those are really easy to remember. And some are better than others. So, so I certainly believe that the value will be pervasive. But I don't know that, you know, them trading for all of them being worth, you know, a floor of tens of thousands of dollars, if that makes sense. Yet to be seen. I feel like what I hear is some numbers even hold more value over others. You know, at least with Unstoppable, we have a lot of different extensions versus, you know, .eth, you just got one. Including .888. Yeah, including .888. And I'm curious, is there one extension over the others that you have a preference for or target over others? I'm actually responsible for the vast majority of these Unstoppable domain domain extensions. It was my list that, that I came up with as an advisor on Sopple. So, you know, I kind of love all of them because I came up with most of them. But I think my single favorite is .x, right? And for a variety of reasons. One is I believe X is the most important letter. X is everything and nothing at the same time. It's the ultimate variable. If you're going to have a single letter domain extension, X in my mind is like the one you can get away with most because it doesn't need to mean anything. It's just X and X is cool. And again, back to these naming conventions, we've been throwing X completely arbitrarily on the back of commonly used words in order to create a brand for a very long time, right? Basically since the inception of the internet, right? I think that X is my favorite. And I think that another reason for that is also the fact that there will never be, or it never is a dangerous word, in the foreseeable future, there will not be a .x in the legacy route. And so that in and of itself means that there are not going to be any collisions with legacy route. And that avoids quite a large problem. It just makes it, obviously, you know, I've always believed shorter is better. For the most part, there are exceptions, but for the most part, shorter is better. And so having a one character domain extension means that you can potentially have a two character domain, right? One on the left, one on the right, or I guess three, if you count the dot. Yeah, I, I just like X. I think X, like I said, X is everything and it's nothing. It's the ultimate variable. It's just cool. X is cool. Awesome. No, I, I love .x too. And uh, I personally also love .nft. You brought up domain collisions. And I'm curious, do you think there's any worry? Or do you have any concern that for A, these crypto NFT domains colliding with traditional ICANN extensions, if they don't accept if they don't accept blockchain domains and they ever launch their own like .x or .nft. And then on top of that, do you have any concerns about different domain providers colliding with each other for like NFT domain colliders providing with each other if we don't respect extensions that have been put out to the market already? Look, this is slippery slope. Get your popcorn, right? This is, we're, we're going to see a lot of fireworks. It's going to get very interesting. You know, we're already seeing collisions without getting too specific, right? Like, and so... There's going to be a lot more. There's going to be a lot more among Web3 domain providers. And there's going to be also some, whenever ICANN gets around to launching the next round of TLD applications, I mean, .wallet is going to be incredibly contested, right? .nft, incredibly contested. .crypto, incredibly contested. Virtually all of these extensions, with the exception of .888, because ICANN will not allow numeric domain extensions, and .x, because they don't allow one-character domain extensions, I think all of them are going to end up being contested domain extensions in the legacy route under ICANN. So yes, with 100% certainty, as certain as I am that the sun comes up tomorrow morning, there's going to be a lot of domain collisions. 
Now, I have some pretty hardcore thoughts on this, right? That, that, that make people real uncomfortable. Look, I love the NFT community. I'm a major NFT player. I own, you know, I was probably one of the largest owners of Board Apes. I love NFTs. I dabble in them. I buy them. I think it's fun. I love the technology. I think this is a first iteration. I think that NFTs are going to expand well beyond music and JPEGs into really fascinating things. I think it's important to understand that domain named uh, web three domains are just a, just like a domain name, a legacy domain. It's an identifier. That's all it is. a digital identifier. The NFT is not the JPEG of the ape. The NFT is the underlying technology that identifies who or what wallet owns something on the one side and on the other side, what does it reference? And it can point to anything today, anything digital, any other digital asset, or in the future, probably anything physical or metaphysical as well. I don't know how we're gonna resolve these conflicts, right? When you don't have a takedown mechanism, when you don't have you know, these standardized resolution protocols, I don't know, right? And then it, what, what, what happens? It's like, he who has the best business development wins, who he goes out and gets the wallets to, you know, if I send it to, you know, Josh.wallet, you know, where does it go? Which chain? I think that Unstoppable is right in the fact that it's, you know, and, oh, no, let's not even say Unstoppable. I think that, you know, standard business conventions, law conventions of first to market gets the priority. I think that that should apply, right? So I think it's the first one that gets to market is the you know first use of commerce, right? When you go to apply for a trademark, it's he who has the first use in commerce, for the most part, he who has first use in commerce, legitimate use in commerce, wins, right? You get the trademark, and then you're protected. And I don't really see a reason why that shouldn't apply here. It's the same dynamic in my mind. I am not a lawyer. I don't play one on the internet. Please seek your own legal advice. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that perspective. And I, I also even think that dApps won't implement naming providers that do collide with, for example, with Unstoppable, because that would put their customers, their users at risk. And so I think all Unstoppable domains, they have market traction, they have user bases, they have customers. And so all those adapt would never want to conflict with our, our .NFT. Well, we are coming up on, on time here. And I got three rapid fire questions for you that I end every podcast with the one, two, web three. The first question is who's an influential web three creator, entrepreneur, or collector that's inspired or educated you? Punk 5429. Awesome. And second question, what's your favorite NFT? Board Ape Yacht Club. Board Apes represent. We get a lot of that on the pod. And number three. B-A-Y-C. I see the the hat behind you too. Oh man, I got, I got all kinds of Board Ape <laughs> swag behind me. In in five years, what's the craziest thing you think people will be doing in the metaverse that we're just not talking about yet? Dating. Dating. I like it. I think, yeah, I think that'll probably happen too. And, you know, I just got to throw out a fourth question here just off the cuff. But what do you think is going to be like the, the highest NFT domain sale within the next, I'm just going to say within the next five years? All right. You know, this is a difficult question because of two things. One is, you know, we're still early in this thing and, you know, anything's possible. And you've got some real whales in the crypto market that as this thing increases in adoption, money's really not, uh, you know, an issue. You know, if they got to they'll pay what they have to pay to get a certain name that they need or want. So we could see some crazy numbers. The other problem, though, is that there is a lot of wash trading. There's a lot of fraud. There's a lot of, you know, the Amazon bid of one point whatever million. Like, that's not real. You know, there is a lot of people selling things to themselves. Commissions, because it's all automated, there's no human intermediary in this stuff. Commissions are low. And so the cost of doing so, it's like, all right, if I go sell, you know, let's say whatever domain I've got, you know, I don't know, just making something up. I don't know, beacon.x. Okay, so I say beacon.x and I, I do a legitimate on-chain transaction and I sell it for $10 million. So let's say that cost me, I don't know, 20 grand, okay? So it cost me 20 grand to do that transaction. For 20 grand, I couldn't possibly buy the PR that will come as a result of that transaction, right? And so you have a lot of people taking advantage of that. In fact, you know, based on my due diligence and like a lot of the big sales I've seen, that is the case, unfortunately. So will we see some eye-popping sales 
Absolutely. Will they all be legitimate? Absolutely not. What do I think is a reasonable expectation of a really, truly legitimate sale? I mean, for sure, we're going to see some, you know, of the corporations and Web3 native companies that are launching that missed out on the, the, the land grab that, you know, they need and they'll pay millions. No question about it. I don't know if we're going to see legitimate eight figure sales for another five years. I think certainly we'll see some legitimate seven figure sales. Cool. But that is going to be the exception, not the rule. Most of these are going to be worth tens of dollars and hundreds of dollars. You know, that's going to be, let's say, 80% of all the domains that are registered now in Web3, 80, 90% are worth tens, hundreds, or zero. 10% are worth thousands. 5% are worth tens of thousands. 2% is worth tens of thousands. 2% is worth hundreds of thousands and less than 1% is worth millions. Yeah. Great. No, I appreciate the take. And yeah, I do think there's a lot of wash trading, you know, especially in like the triple digit club type of stuff. Awesome. Andrew, thanks for the breakdown on everything domains. I, I know I learned a couple of things and I think the listeners will as well. It's a topic that I think a lot of people are unfamiliar with and yet is so big in like the the crypto world. And I do think everyone's going to have an NFT domain themselves one day. I agree. I think actually I predict that everybody will have two or more. I think that most internet users will have two, one for their public identity and one for their pseudo anonymous identity or business identity. Yeah. Two or three. I like that. Yeah. Can you please let us know where we can find you online after listening to the pot? Yeah, for all your domain name needs, uh, mediaoptions.com. We are the number one domain brokerage firm in the world. I am on Twitter and I'm active on Twitter at Andrew Rosner, R-O-S-E-N-E-R. That's it. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. We come out with new episodes every single Tuesday. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please drop a subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribing and liking helps there as well. With that, I'll see you next week. Catching the metaverse and on Twitter. Peace out. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share this with your friends. And remember, this conversation doesn't have to end here. Tweet us your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. I look forward to hearing from you, and thank you so much for listening.